Hear now the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but they are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Lord Jesus, in this Easter season, it is our prayer and our hope as your people that even though we have not seen, we would come to believe and that we would be blessed by the gift of life that you long to give to your people. And so we open our hearts to you, we open our lives to you today. In these few moments that we have together, would you come and fill us with your life, we pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, we pick up this week right where we left off last week. And even in these few verses that we've read, there's so many different things we could address and speak to. And I wish we had more time where we could do this reading justice. And what I want to do is instead just reflect on a few of these verses together and the significance of them for our life together in this remarkable season. And yet you'll remember if you were with us last week, you see where this picks right up where we left off. When our reading today begins with this phrase, when it was evening on that day, this is the same day that we read about last week where Mary and Peter and John are at the tomb coming and going, not knowing how to process or what to do with this empty tomb. And as the Lord meets them in that place of confusion, that was the theme of our reading last week. You'll remember how John and Peter failed at the tomb to fully grasp the significance of the empty tomb, of the resurrection. And so they went to their home confused, and yet Mary 
quite beautifully stayed in her weeping, stayed in her confusion, and waited at the tomb. And our Lord met her there and called her by name. And it's that great reminder that Easter, the hope of Easter, is not an abstract idea or concept, but it is the encounter of our living Lord Jesus. And that was true then, and it's true now. And so what we then really do today then, is we pick right back up with another story of contrasts in some ways. Just as last week, we saw Mary and Peter and John as these contrasting responses to the empty tomb. That same contrast now extends out, whereas Mary, on the one hand, boldly was the one who said, I have seen the Lord. Today, our reading focuses on a different sort of response, where the disciples are instead huddled in a home, fearful and alone with the doors locked inside their home. I said this last week and I'll say it again now. I do wonder if our Lord in his kindness and in his mercy continues to give us this account from John's gospel, the unique way in which John invites us into these intimate private moments in what is for us undoubtedly an intimate and private season of life as we can maybe relate to feeling like we're at home with the doors locked and the curtains drawn. That's how we find them here, which is a really interesting place to find these early disciples. Because remember, these are the same people who would have seen Jesus and his power, the works of his ministry in such incredible ways. These are the same people who saw Jesus walk on water. They saw him turn water into wine, saw him feed the masses, heal the sick, bring sight to the blind. On and on we could go, and yet, having seen all of that, for them, those moments felt like a distant memory. Maybe like a lifetime ago. And instead, they now find themselves on that first Easter Sunday, afraid and alone in a locked home. I do wonder, is that in some way maybe a picture of our faith right now? where we're not feeling very triumphant. We're not feeling victorious. We're not feeling like we're out there ready to go take the world for Jesus. No, we are instead perhaps feeling confused and afraid, locked at home. I think if I'm being honest, truly honest, I I find myself as the weeks go on wrestling with that temptation more and more of feeling that rise up in me and feeling like if, if I'm not careful, I will give in to that temptation and go there. I, people talk about stages of grief, how we all go through grief in different stages. And in some ways, I've encountered this pandemic to be a sort of progressive grief. It's interesting. We all experience the, the shock of this pandemic, the way in which it kind of came out of nowhere and took us all by surprise. And that shock then kind of turned into this survival impulse, this survival energy for many of us. For us at the church, it was this week in which over the course of just a few days, we had to figure out how can we continue to have life together, continue to be the church in almost an entirely virtual capacity unprecedented for us here at Trinity. And so there was some kind of energy that just arose that kind of carried us through. And then maybe for a few weeks, there was some novelty to it. It was interesting to set up a light system and a tripod and 
light the candles in an empty church and then preach to a phone. But I assure you, the novelty of that has long, long worn off. Whatever novelty there was, it is a distant memory for me as I now again sit here in an empty church building, preaching to my phone, longing to see you all. I miss being with you in person. I've talked with several of you and the sentiment I've heard is just that sense in which we, we miss one another. There's things that you just take for granted and don't realize how much you'll miss them until they're gone. And I think the gift of Christian community is one of those. And so I am desperate and long to be together again as the family of God. But in this exact moment right here and right now, missing that, longing for that, instead the, the energy and the excitement of this moment we find ourselves in is long gone. We were talking as a staff here at the church just a few days ago and kind of acknowledging maybe for a few weeks we were running off of adrenaline. Maybe you can relate to this, but that adrenaline is also a distant memory. There's none left. There's just nothing left. And so I, I just feel this weariness settling in. Where a couple weeks ago when someone would send me a meme or some funny story about how, you know, we're gonna save the world by staying at home and sitting on our couch and watching Netflix. And I had a good laugh about that. And yet now a few weeks in, those stories just aren't as funny. It seems as though the Tiger King can only carry us so far before even that runs out and the novelty of that leaves us scratching our heads and our hearts are restless and we say, when is this going to end? And even now, as we sit here for this service, we are meant to be resurrection people in the heart of the Easter season now. And yet, if we are honest, this may still feel a bit like Lent. It's like that movie Groundhog Day. This is the Groundhog Day of the worst possible kind, and it seems to never end. And so how do we feast in the midst of this moment? I need you to hear me on this loud and clear. This is a significant thing. If you don't hear anything else, please hear this from me today. No amount of positivity, no amount of goodwill, no amount of coronavirus memes, no sheer willpower, none of it is good enough or strong enough to carry you and your faith through this season. And if you haven't found yourself in that place yet, I promise you, you will find it soon enough where you will begin to feel like the disciples on that first Easter day, where instead of feeling victorious and triumphant, you're feeling incredibly weary and confused and afraid, really crushed at home by the weight of anxiety and stress. So then what do we do? What hope do we have? The hope that we have cannot be based in these things we've, we've talked about, that sense of endurance or that sense of willpower, none of it will see us through. And I think if anything, over the last few weeks, now getting into months, what we've learned is that we in and of ourselves are far more frail and weak than we would ever care to admit. I've certainly found that to be true in my own life. I am far more broken and in need of the healing touch of God than I ever want to admit. And it's like this moment we find ourselves in, it's almost shown a spotlight into all of those areas that need healing and need the grace of God. And so we're not gonna do this on our own. 
And so the hope of Easter has to be something beyond us, something bigger than us in our own intuition, our own ingenuity, our own willpower. It's just not going to be enough. And yet we're hopeful people. We cling to hope. We say, Alleluia, Christ is risen. We are resurrection people. How can we be that sort of people in the midst of pandemic? Well, I think Jesus, as is always the case, Jesus is the clue. Jesus shows us here a pattern of the gospel, a pattern of how the gospel works, where it begins with Mary, it now begins to spread out What he did for her, he does again and again now to an even larger group of people. And what we see is that the gospel is expansive. There's an expansive hope that's beginning to take root in this story. And as I said a moment ago, it is always, always rooted in an encounter with our living Lord Jesus. Mary is transformed because she encounters Jesus. These early disciples in their fear and confusion are transformed because they encounter Jesus. Jesus breaks through their fears and their doubts. He appears in their midst and he says to them, peace be with you. Twice he says this. We have two different accounts here of similar stories, related stories, where twice Jesus says, peace be with you. The second time he essentially says, my peace will make you brave. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And there's something powerful in that single interaction with Jesus because it shows us really a twofold fruit of an encounter with our Lord. On the one hand, when we truly encounter Jesus, our souls are steadied and we find peace. But what he also tells us is it's a peace that makes us brave. It's a peace that sends us out, filled with his life, so we can share that life with others. And here's a really important thing. Press in with me here. This is super important. I need you to hear this. So often when we hear a verse like this, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I send you. Our American activistic radar turns on and our ears perk up and we think Jesus is telling us this is something we're supposed to go do. This is the verse that becomes the vision statement of countless missionary organizations and for good reason, not to dismiss that. But hear me on this. This is first and foremost about who we are, not about what we do. And anything you and I do for our Lord always, always will flow out of who we are in him. And that's what Jesus wants us to see. For most of my life, Easter, when we talked about Easter, the hope of Easter was always a distant hope, a distant reality. It was about life eternal, where Jesus rose from the dead and therefore I would go to heaven. And of course, yes and amen, that is an important truth. But what about this life? Who are we meant to be? Not just what are we supposed to do, but who are we meant to be right here right now? And what in the world does the resurrection and the hope of Easter have to do with our lived experience today, wherever you find yourself? How does this shape our lives, especially if we're at home, sheltered in place behind locked doors? 
How is this anything more than just a, a nice sentiment? And if you have a Bible, turn to this verse. We can put it on the screen as well. Look at verse 22. Verse 22 is for me the very heart of this reading that I want you to sit with prayerfully for the rest of this week. If there's any sort of homework I can give you over a screen, that's your homework. Sit with verse 22. It says this. When Jesus had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. This is the verse that tells us this is not primarily about what we go and do, but it is about who we are and who we are becoming in Jesus, who he's making us to be. And here's what's interesting. When I think about how this story over the years of my life kind of settled into my mind and into my heart, I often think of a spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. When I think of this verse, one of the first things that comes to mind is a thought of Jesus being a spirit, of Jesus almost being ghost-like because of his ability to appear magically almost in these locked rooms, the way in which almost like a vapor, he passes through a locked door. This is the sort of stuff a middle school small group would sit and debate. I remember it vividly. We would sit and say, how in the world did Jesus just appear in a locked room? Was he really resurrected? Well, they talk about having wounds that could be touched and yet he just appears, he just passes through the door. How can it be? And the only conclusion we had was, was he was some sort of ghost where sometimes he could appear solid, but other times he would just kind of be whisked away. Years later, I came across a vivid picture from C.S. Lewis where C.S. Lewis says, it's not Jesus who's ghostly. It's everything around him. In his resurrection, Jesus is in fact so substantial, so solid, so real, that by contrast, the world itself and people within it are like vapors. Jesus could appear because he passes right through it, because he is pure life. He is so substantial that we are the ghostly ones by comparison. And I think if we run with that image, if we cling to that and press into it, it can transform the way we read verse 22. Because verse 22 is a picture of creation. I believe Jesus is doing in verse 22 of John's gospel the very same thing the Holy Trinity did at the very beginning of creation. All the way back in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. I think it's what we see in Genesis 2 verse 7. Hear these words, Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. That word for breathed, it's the exact same verb in Genesis 2, 7 as we find here in verse 22 of John's gospel. Jesus did not appear to these disciples and say, peace be with you. When you die, you get to go to heaven. It's not what he said. He breathed on them and transformed their life right here and right now. He's not just showing them what it means to be a human being in his resurrection. He's doing what God always does and he is creating. He's redeeming and restoring his creation, breathing the creative breath of God 
into their very lives right then and there. That is the hope of the gospel. And what Jesus did to them is the pattern of what our Lord has done by his spirit throughout the whole of history. That's the story of the church. In just a few weeks, really starting next week, we're gonna begin looking at Acts. And for several weeks, we'll preach through Acts, looking at the early accounts of the church. And I want us to have this vision in mind, this picture of us as the body of Christ. Because the hope of Easter is not this abstract, disembodied reality. It is anything up, anything but. It is quite literally the opposite of disembodied. It is the resurrected body of Jesus, a body which Thomas could touch with his hands and place his hand into the side, the wounds of Jesus, now healed and transformed by the resurrection. But I also think of what St. Paul said of the incarnational reality of the church, where he says that we, as the church, we are the body of Christ. And so when we look at Acts, that's what we see. These people who have encountered the very breath of God breathed into their lives, transforming who they are, so much so that they go and are now breathing that life into others. Others now encounter them in their hope of the resurrection and they are changed as a result. And in many ways, that is the story of the church all the way up to this very moment. We are a part of a living body and we have received the very breath of God as those who've gone before us received that life and shared it with us. They took Jesus' words to heart. And just as he went about recreating and breathing life into a broken world, they went and did the same. And we, brothers and sisters, we are invited to be the church in this way, to go and live this out, to be a part of this new creation. That's what it means to be the church. And we can do this right here and right now. Your Christian faith is not on hold. There's so many things on hold right now. When I read the news, even just over the last few days, it feels as though the entire conversation has shifted to when can things start back? When can I go back to work? When will the economy restart? When will schools go back, if they will at all? On and on we could go. And at the risk of sounding really cheesy, just go with me on this. Your Christian faith is not on hold. There's nothing keeping you and me from experiencing this very life of God, the breath of God breathed into us wherever we find ourselves right here and now. And so while you may not be able to do other things in your life, you can maybe even take that energy and double down on your walk with God, your journey of faith, and recommit yourself to this Easter hope to say, Lord, wherever I am today, wherever I find myself, I believe that you can reach me and fill me with this life to make me brave, to make me bold, to have your peace wash over me and recreate me so much so that I am a source of hope for others. And that's what we need to be right now. That's what we as the church need to be. And for you, that may be being Christ to just a handful of people, to your roommates, to your spouse, to your children, to your family, the people that you are walking through this pandemic with, you can be to them a source of Christ's peace and his hope. You can be an incredible blessing. You can be a sign, a signpost 
of the coming kingdom, of the Easter hope that we have, you and I can still be a resurrection people. And so that's my prayer for us, that our Lord would meet us in this time of confusion, that as we are sheltered in in our homes, sheltered in place, we would not be cut off from his life, but to believe and to hope that he passes through those barriers and he speaks life over us. So let's pray that now. Lord Jesus, would you bring that life to us? Wherever we right now feel sheltered and anxious and alienated and alone, wherever our hearts and lives resonate with these early disciples in their place of fear, remind us that you break into those places and you breathe new life. The very same breath that you breathed over creation. Lord, you are remaking us. You are recreating and refashioning us this very moment. So let that be our source of hope. By your Holy Spirit, would you do that renewing work in us even this very day? Help us to be the church, to be a source of your life, and to bring your peace. As St. Francis prayed in that prayer, to be instruments of your peace. May we bring your love, Lord Jesus. This week we pray. Amen. Amen. As we continue in prayer, would you join me as we pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you this week. May you open your life to the breath of God. May he transform you in every way so you can be a blessing to someone else throughout your week. Now, as we go into our week, let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we close, we join our hearts and our voices one more time together as we sing now our closing song.